Hello. Oh! <laughs> Welcome back to the, the room that we indeed created. created. Dude! <laughs> Got a bubbly in hand? Dink it. Cheese in it. Cheese in it. We are real bright eyed and bushy tailed tonight. Whoa, bush. Today, we're going to be discussing um, sort of where we left off on the previous Hand episode. Handjobs versus uh, blowjobs and foot jobs, And the prime locations of receiving them. Applebee's. So, what's the best position for... Um... <laughs> <laughs> no, we ended the last episode of the podcast talking about God and faith and, and uh, materialism and detachment and things like that. And that has prompted us to discuss uh, a topic that we were intended to discuss at the creation of this podcast cyborgs well we're going to first cover silence cyborgs. okay silence i shouldn't have said that so close um so i have insider trade info on cyborgs believe me don't believe me whatever um don't i know change some the facts i know some people who have relatives who are like billionaires, like Forbes list. Okay. Right. And like Epstein they, shit. like I'm talking, <laughs> they had, yeah, they had a fucking like party and like, I'm talking flu sushi. So much of it in there was a conveyor belt. Like it was insane. Anyways, what I wanted to talk about cyborgs is that that is going to be the next big thing. Bodily modifications. Or upgrades. Upgrades, people. Right. Upgrades. Like Ghost big, in the Shell. Like robots. Like Big Weld. Mm -hmm. <laughs> big Weld. Like that. Um, oh, no. The stimming. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, autistic. I need, a, I need a fidget. I can't be... Wait, where's the fidget I usually have? Here you go. Thanks, bud. Of course. Um... Yeah, mine's in the living room. Oh. But yeah, cyborgs. I just wanted to say that body mods I have it on good source are going to be a really, really big thing. <laughs> I have it on good source. <laughs> so, but how extreme are we talking? Like uh, anything you want. Okay. Well, pretty much. Whoa. <laughs> whoa. Like within like the physical realm of like that. Like you're still human. But like, are we talking like? Oh yeah, eyesight. Is the first yes. thing that comes to mind. Uh, yes, for me. that's immediate. Yes, okay, like synthetic, like uh, permanently implanted contacts or something. Also, like also that. I want to explain the stimming thing. I do this stim, um, which is like I'm. I don't even know how to explain stimming. That you get if you don't know what stimming is, fucking Google it. And <laughs> so I do this one where I ta whatever's in my hand, I toss it, and I do it with my A phone. A little catch. And it is. Until it feels, it scratches the right itch in like this. I don't know how to describe it. I'll sometimes I'll shake my whole body and like. Well, so you do, do it in like standing up outside with your phone, and you'll be trying to show me something, and you'll just start tossing the phone. It's like that's that's the dangerous one if you're holding something. Well, and I don't have a case or a screen protector on my phone because I was supposed to get a new one, and I fucking I took it off, and now I just I raw dogged it because it didn't go through right for months. So it is a dangerous, dangerous game. But stimming is is that. And I do it with cans and, like, drinks, like glasses. <laughs> and I'll be in a restaurant, and I'll have to be like, what can I not? You do, like, exactly that. And yeah. it's fine when it's empty, but when it's full, good lordy loo. Is, is it on? Is it good edging? Lordy lord. 
Well, uh, cyborgs. I think if I if you were to get like a moderate to to you know if you were to get any body modification, penis extension, penis extension, uh, penis reduction for me. <laughs> penis, penis. I, I'd like a penis. <laughs> I'd like you could have mine. Twice the penis. You can have yeah yeah. Take my. See that's the thing is like, it's one thing having a penis and not wanting one. It's another thing having a massive penis and not wanting one. And that's my situation. I mean, we're talking like, we're talking like, like, like frightening. We're talking like Willem Dafoe. Nah. So we were going to talk about uh, spirituality <laughs> um, today <laughs> and religion. <laughs> uh and Maddie was going to kick it off. We were going to kick it off, yes. We, me and the voices. <laughs> I don't know why I said we. <laughs> no, um, so I was, it was interesting. I was talking to a good friend of mine named Ollie, who you know, mutual friend of ours, yeah. um, about the podcast. And they were telling me. The PCAST. Like, yeah, all the podcast episodes are in their watch later list. But, you know, I haven't, I haven't been able to check it out yet. Have you covered one about the Jehovah's Witnesses? And I was like, it's funny you mentioned that. I'm actually filming that one tonight, you know, at at Zach's. This is going to be a long segment, so this get ready. Be, this yeah. is going to be half the episode. Yeah, maybe. But, like, um, it, we had mentioned it a few times in previous episodes, very shorthand, about my experience with the Jehovah's Witnesses. But, um, yeah, it was interesting to see feedback from a good friend of mine who hadn't dived into the podcast yet. And their first question was like, have you talked about Jehovah's Witnesses well, yet? Because I'm waiting for that one. Before, before we dive into the rabbit hole, um, let me talk about my experience with religion. Please. Real quick. So I am not religious. I'm just not. My parents came in with the idea, like, uh, he can do whatever he wants to do. You know, we're going to teach him, like, what the facts are. He can believe in anything that he wants to. Right. Like, we're just going to teach him things that are universally, like, scientifically understood. Mm-hmm. And he can follow whatever faith he Which wants. Which is uh, an admirable, admirable position. And that's how you should be parenting. But it's particularly special, I think, given that your parents do have pretty solid, you know, at least theories about how the universe works. And not to impose that on you at all, you know, but just to educate you about. Well, their theories mainly resolve around those understood facts well, and, yeah, like their definitely. own personal experience but right there right. is some level of obviously but i just mean like cool. to share those their thoughts about how the universe works with you from a perspective yeah. of like here's another way of looking at things here's other ones and just letting you yeah obviously that's the way to parent your kid when it comes so, to those things my like real first experience was like um getting asked like do you believe in god right. when i was like six at school which is We'll get into that and so it's later, like, but do I you, hate that question. I would get asked it all the time, and I'd be like, I know. And so I would have, like, 20 kids ganging up on me in fucking elementary school saying that I was going to go to hell because right. I don't believe in God. So You I live ca- in a pretty red town. So I came home, and I told my mom one day. I just, like, tapped her on the shoulder. I said, hey, mom, what? And she said, what? And I said, I'm Christian. And she said, okay. Do you know what that means? <laughs> and so, she, and I kind of, she kind of explained some things to me about heaven and hell and like what that means that I also believe. And I was like, right. I'm not Christian. And was, <laughs> like a week later, um, and, but my brother was, he, he was, 
at the time you went to Catholic school. Right. And um, it was just, that was like kind of my upbringing with it. Like with westernized Christianity and like faith that way. Right, right. Kinda and your brother, my... like like for only for the purpose of this particular context of conversation, your brother is not like your parents' child. Yes. You know, but he like spiritually this is a person that is your brother. Yes. You know, like so that like saying that because it's like it's not like you were raised with no religion and then your other sibling they just sent to a Catholic school for whatever reason. No, no, that is what happened. They were just fucking they wanted to fucking throw the dice out there and just see. They were like, I wanna know what happens if we right. They were playing God. Right, right. They were they believing were doing, they were in taking God. Pascal's wager but with their kids. They were like, <laughs> one is gonna be an atheist, one's gonna go to Catholic school. Yeah. No, not 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 actually. So I became Lucifer the fallen angel. Right. Yeah. Which my both my parents grew up extremely Catholic. Mm-hmm. And are not anymore. The uh, reason I hate the question, do you believe in God, so much is because most of the time people expect a yes or a no answer. Mm-hmm. And we talked about and, and, this. And the ones who say they don't expect a yes or no answer still expect some form of a yes it or implies, no answer, just with more. What it implies is... It, it, it sets up a binary... That there is about a, a God to believe in. Well, there's right. that also, but also saying, do you believe in God or like, you know, yes or no? So it, the answer sets up a binary when you're talking about a concept that's so far beyond binaries yeah. of existing and not existing. Like, is it possible that if something is that, like the source of creation, it's beyond existence and non-existence even? Well, the way it's it's posed as a question is is literally... Do you believe in the God that exists is the way it's posed. It's like, do you believe in God? Basically saying God is a thing that exists to believe believe in. in Do you believe in it? It's not like, do you think there is a God or what do you think exists? It's there's God. Do you believe in it? Right. Yeah. So that, that's one reason why that question blows. But like another reason, just even saying it properly, like, like, you know, um, uh, beyond like the colloquialism of actually asking it like grammatically well of saying like do you happen to be- do you happen to do you reckon they're a god that be you know <laughs> even that one i don't like because it's like that what is it yes yes there is a god but what is is oh my god it's so stupid like because it's like i think it i just don't know what to even make of the concept of like, is there a God? I was like, there is a God that exists. And it's like, if there is a prime mover and source of creation that is worth acknowledging, it probably exists beyond the concept of existing or not, because that's such a human way to think about things. You know, it's so black and white, just in and out, not and is. Hot and you're cold, you're yes and you know. Yeah, yeah. You're up and you're down. You're you're in and you're out. out. Jesus Christ. No, literally. Fucking literally Christ. (laughs) But um I'm gonna have to clip that down. Clip game. I was born into the faith of Jehovah's Witnesses. Potato hole. I was (laughs) I was raised uh, I was born in you know, the, on the East Coast and raised um, by two wonderful... He's, they're full of shit right now. They're lying. What? 
Don't walk through their teeth. They're full of shit right now. What are you talking about? They're full of shit. Continue. Just know. <laughs> just know that they're lying always. Okay. So um, I was born a Jehovah's Witness. And uh, I was raised by two people that um, were very devout in this faith. And um, if you don't know anything about Jehovah's Witnesses, essentially their doctrine they believe that the earth was created for human beings and human beings belong on earth and our eternal salvation is here on earth, you know, and the hope that we have to look forward to is not in heaven. It's a bodily resurrection on earth. You know, all of God's chosen people will be resurrected post Armageddon. Armageddon now is an event that will occur when God basically is done with letting Satan rule the world, Satan rules the world in their doctrine. You know, um, he was cast out of heaven in 1914. This is something they believe and sent to earth where he can rule and just basically do whatever the fuck he wants. And one day God's just going to decide that it's enough. You know, the Holocaust wasn't the line. So we'll see what is. <laughs> but, uh, one day he's going to step in and take control away from Satan on earth, destroy all the world leaders after allowing the world leaders to turn on religion and hunt down every religion on the planet one by one until they get to Jehovah's Witnesses. And then once they do, Jesus himself and legions of angels will step in and physically manifest themselves into our realm to destroy all human beings except for Jehovah's Witnesses. That's culty. Yes, it is. That's just like all I got to and say. You know? I encourage you to go on JW.org and l- read anything you want about any of the things I said. Because I promise you, I'm saying it all very matter-of-factly, but I am not stretching or reaching about anything they believe. This is what they believe, truly. Now, being raised... In a Christian fundamentalist, like, revitalist cult, um, I had a lot of fear growing up. I had a lot of fear in general as a person. I, like, fear, yeah, it really affects you. Yeah. Fear I mean, later is, in life. is a fucked up thing in my life. I am constantly afraid. I, I have a panic disorder. I, I have panic attacks. Do you, do you think your panic disorder has direct ties to the JWs? Oh, of course. Like, do you think it's the sole cause? Or no, do you think it no. was the trigger for it that I'm, really I'm, brought it out? I have it in my history, family history. Yeah, know? but do you think the JWs really... Yeah, Jehovah's contri- I would not it? be nearly as fucked up as I am. How anyway. much do you think it contributed? Like what, Significantly. 60, 70%? I would say 60%. Okay. And I'll get into why. So, okay. growing up, I had a lot of phobias, too. I'm Phobus. like I was extremely claustrophobic. I couldn't like wear necklaces. You can get in elevators. Yeah, I can't. I can't. Still can't yeah. go into elevators. And I had all these phobias in school and whatever. School was incredibly isolating because you're not allowed to celebrate um, holidays or birthdays. So every time there's a holiday party in school, you're in the hallway. You know, every time there's a birthday, you know, you you can't. That's eat. disturbing. Yeah, you can't eat the cake with the kids. You know, every time there's something something like that. And so I was already a kind of a sore thumb in school and you know you're taught that the world is evil you know the world is evil and then you're and then you're made 
again, reinforced to believe it as a small child when you can't do mundane things like eat birthday cake and celebrate yeah, and with so kids. so you get bullied and, and ostracized for it. And, and so you go, yeah, the world confirms. is either. You go, exactly. oh, fuck, the world is evil. Right. And so when you are when you carry yourself out into the world for the first time in public school as a you know, 9, 10-year-old under the presupposition that you are going out into something that is ruled by a legion of demons, you know? Like, this is a world that is literally run by malevolent spiritual creatures. And now they present it to you like you're going out into this world. And remember to be a vigilant soldier for Jehovah, you know, while you're out and keep your ears open all the time so if you could bear witness to any of these kids, you know, and like explain your beliefs and things like that. And as a person who is naturally just contemplative, you know, having that just bitter malaise over everything that I encountered outside of the church itself, like it affects you so deeply that I I just developed, I became a very frightened young person, like very frightened. And I, when I was in about seventh grade, I'm going to say, had a severe mental like breakdown I, I started seeing a therapist for the first time because in seventh parents, grade in seventh grade which is not normal right yeah that's and, like um, a 13 year old right 12 13 that's prepubescent that's tween right to be having panic disorders and seeing a therapist purely because of your faith and upbringing and your family dynamic like that's difficult yeah it, w- it was fucked and i talked to my mom about it my mom's an incredibly compassionate person was just like you know and and it was interesting because this was the first time I saw little shreds of how my family was a little bit different in the church. We were a little bit black sheepish, you know, because my mom yeah. told me, you know, I will pray with you and I want these panic attacks to go away and I want to help you. But, you know, she was trying to find a Jehovah's Witness lingo way to say you need professional help. The elders are not going to help you. You know, the elders of the church, which are the leaders of the church. Yeah. Because what she ended up telling me was like, if God presents you with an opportunity to go to therapy, that's obviously his way of reaching out to you. You know, because she wanted me to get help. And that's not typical. Like, therapy is very frowned upon with the Jehovah's Witnesses because you're letting somebody else. Oh, my God. Are you kidding? Well, you're let, think about it. It's a perfect antithesis to everything that they stand for. You're letting a person who has been. Um, educated by Satan's system of things, his world, enter your brain. And that doesn't scream brainwash culty to these people. It, it really, it just, it's like, it, they teach you things and they go, don't, these people that help lots of other people, they can't help you because don't, don't listen right. to them. Don't listen and the to therapy them. Thing, you know, the outsiders, listen to me, the leader. Exactly, yeah. And um, the, uh, started going to therapy in middle school and I got somewhat better. And this is when I started to ve- to develop a very very thick line in my life between who I was to all my people outside of the church and who I was to all my people inside of the church. Because you're not really allowed to have friends who aren't Jehovah's witnesses. You're very they're called worldly people. And every time you even Talk about going to a person's house, like World, after school. That's so funny that you they call them worldly people, even though their whole philosophy is that the world was made for us. Yeah, it's because strange. you. It's like, and then they say the world was made for us as humans, 
to you know become and reincarnate and it's made for us it's our fucking place it's our garden of eden so to speak and then to use the phrase worldly as a divisor between the fucking in group and the out group and the out group gets worldly that's so that's what's so insane intriguing it homogenizes like humanity where you start thinking there are two types of people there are jehovah's witnesses and there are worldly people which is and it's fucking in the belief because jehovah's witnesses are such a niche strange little group of people and the entire fucking world everyone else who's not is one thing you know and they need to be saved so you don't recognize people for their individuality you don't recognize people for what their gift is to you in your life you recognize them as you know victims everyone but you is a victim and you need to help them. And if you associate with them too much outside of the context of trying to create a Bible study with them, then they will bring up the scripture, bad associations spoil useful habits. And they'll say, you're having bad associations. Like, you can't. And I'm talking this so much as you get, you go to a friend's house after school who's not a Jehovah's Witness, who's not a fellow brother or sister, you will get talked to. Like, oh, your kid or your parents will get talked to. Why your kid's hanging out with a lot of worldly kids? Like, Which is he on track for baptism? More is he culty shit? Right. So I started to make a lot of friends in middle school that were worldly. And I did my best to maintain who I was a Jehovah's Witness in front of them. Like, I still wouldn't celebrate holidays. Of course, I wouldn't do anything that would get me overtly, like, whatever. Um, but I said fucking shit and pissed, damn it, come. You know, I cursed in middle school, and my parents didn't know that. And, like, you know, I wouldn't... That was about the extent of my extremeness. I had crushes on girls. I tried to dance with people at what, the... What was the line for... This is just an interesting sidebar, like, childhood thing. What was the line for curse words that, that you could say? Yo, you can't... Dang. You can't say, like, crap? You can say crap. Could you say crap? Yeah, could you, you say, could say crap. But I remember for a kid, it was a big thing with me. It was like, if I, if I, I could say freaking or not. Like, that's freaking stupid. Could you say freaking? Uh, no. That Why like, is that a curse word? I could because my parents were cool. Uh, uh, but, uh, but uh, um, yeah. Anyway, in no middle dams, school, no uh, obviously, no freaking one thing that started to fucking itch my brain a little bit was that I started to have feelings for dudes. Oh, in middle school. That's not good and for the JW. Not at all. And I was talking to my best friend at the time, my best friend in the church who I pioneered with, who I went door to door with regularly. Um, and he was talking about how, you know, it's hard. He went and met a gay person out door to door. And there was a person who said, like, why would God do this to me? Like, why would I be fucking gay? You know, if I'm not allowed to be. And he said this to me and he's like, yeah, you know, that one really stumped me. I don't, I didn't know how to answer that because like, it is strange that there are people out there who are just not attracted to women. And that's and, well, here's the thing. funny that, that such a base level question can stump. Can stump. Yeah. A young pioneer. But think about it. You're presented with having to talk to a gay person and like explain to them why from a philosophical standpoint your doctrine explain to them why it is wrong that they're gay and why it's not god's failure for creating people that are gay even though it's wrong and you're forced to do that when you're like 13 years old to a stranger yeah to a stranger i I, at some point i want to talk about what your your dad said about why bad things happen to good people 
Yes. That's one of my, f- I live by that. We'll get to it. Yeah. I live by that. Yeah. I will bring that up. But, um, started to develop crush. Anyway. So my best friend tells me this. Yeah. That kind of stumped me. And I looked at him and I'm so sheltered. You know, I, I knew nothing about any of those kinds of issues that sent me for a fucking spiral because I learned in that conversation that not everybody is attracted to the same sex. I was, because I'm bisexual. Holy fuck. Or pansexual, whatever, you know. And so him explaining that to me, he's like, yeah, I didn't, I don't, yeah, it does make sense. I couldn't think of an answer of why God would create, why people are born gay. And I was like, and you're like, what, you're Wait not? a minute. Like, this isn't a thing everybody struggles with, you know? Because I'm attracted to women too. I get we're, that. We're not just you know? all by and have to choose. Exactly. And, I, and then I started thinking, the wheels really started turning. This is about eighth grade. I was like, okay, there's a commandment that you shouldn't fucking murder. You know, don't lie. Don't steal. Don't cheat. Everybody, unless, like, you can fucking lie to yourself, but everybody has wanted to kill before. Everybody has been so mad they wanted to fucking kill. Everybody's wanted to steal. It'd be nice if we can lie. These are why they're commandments, because these are human tendencies towards evil towards harm you know that we need to be guided away from gay don't be fucking gay you can't have sex with the same sex why is that a commandment if only some people that would be a problem for well i think part of that roots back to all like religion and church well, and no, shit. No, the, the not wasting your seed thing yeah is so that you get more people into your church no yeah exactly but i, I don't mean like like, oh, why did this come about, this idea? Because that's like a later thought once I'm already Oh, yeah, I'm just saying that. But yeah, that is very true. Like the weird um, anthropological so you, explanations of shit. You bring another child yeah, into yeah. the church and but, to um, waste, waste their money. Yeah, I'm thinking, how is seed. it fair if there's an extra commandment for me? You know, everybody has presented with the same rules, except I have one extra one, which is this part of myself that I was fucking created with. That has no use and just shouldn't be there. You know, that's fucked. And at this point is when my soul started to really split. And the weirdest part about this was like I was maybe 14, about to enter high school, about to not go to public school anymore and to start doing online schooling so that I could pioneer full time. This is something I wanted. You know, I was baptized at this point. And the big thing about baptism in the Jehovah's Witness lore, is that once you are baptized, you have the potential to be disfellowshipped. Which means if you're just a regular fucking dude that goes to the meetings, the Jehovah's Witness meetings at the Kingdom Hall, which is their church, is what they call it. You go to the Kingdom Hall and you watch the meetings, you enjoy the meetings, you participate in the meetings, but you never get baptized. You could fucking fuck a dude or do heroin or whatever. And they can't. What are they gonna do? You're not a. You're not a Jehovah's Witness. You can still. You're still welcome to the meetings, you know. Yeah. But once you're baptized, it's once a you weird make that. Loophole. Yeah. Once you make that commitment, once you get baptized, you are now a Jehovah's Witness. You are counted. And if you fuck up, you will be thrown out. And everyone you love, and everyone who loves you, you will be separated from them. It's insane. And I'm not exaggerating. You again yeah. go on jw.org and have read their explanation of disfellowshipping. I don't know if that it's a lie or not, but I'm telling you, the fucking God's honest truth. That is how it operates because you are not allowed to associate with people who aren't Jehovah's Witnesses, which and, means everyone you know is a Jehovah's Witness. So once you're disfellowshipped, 
everyone you know is now commanded to not speak to you anymore. You're isolated, and it it drives Including you to your insanity, and it, family. it drives you back to the church. And mm-hmm. for someone struggling with urges that they were born with, right, being attracted to the same sex, that's something that you know. That's just who you are. You're not. It it's to say that your own family and all your best friends, but like not just that, like your parents are no longer allowed to talk to you because of the way, because of you are who you are, right. because of the way you are, because of the way you were born, exactly. and that is evil. It's evil. So it was around this time. Um, I am uh, so crushing. I'm pioneering. I'm doing online school. My dad becomes an elder of the church. Now, I'm having all these warring thoughts in my brain, and not for a second was I ever thinking that any of it was untrue, which is weird. While I was having this spiritual fucking fight it in my brain, deep. I was never thinking, well, what if God isn't real, or what if they're fucking lying? I was thinking, do I want to be a part of it or not? You know? <laughs> As a 14-year-old, I'm like, do I really want to live in that paradise under this tyrant God, or would I rather just die? And that's scary, because it's like, it feels like, you're choosing evil, and that's better for you, so to speak. The right. evil of just not participating in right. this—it's not that that is. You're literally making the distinction like this is the good and that's the bad. Do I want to do the bad because exactly. it's better for me? Exactly. That's fucked up. Yeah, and you're doing this at 13, 14 years old. Yeah, and so I'm it's talking to my dad about splitting. it. Talking to my dad about it, who's a brilliant person, fucking brilliant person, and I'm just like, yeah, you know, I'm having doubts, and he was like, look. I and he leveled with me too, and this is another little seedling of like maybe your family's a little fucked for a Jehovah's Witness family. Maybe this is not. Maybe everything that makes you happy about the church is really like your family. It's not having to do with any of this. As my dad told me, he's like, I don't understand a lot about the prophecies. I don't understand a lot about the dates. I don't understand a lot about some of this shit all i know is that i see what good this does for people and their families and that's why my dad pointed out to me when he was an elder he would tour the state and uh give sermons and so we'd drive to the middle of buttfuck nowhere the in rock, our state the, rock. the huh the lunch yeah the little yes yes my dad would uh <laughs> my dad would give sermons around the state in these middle of the nowhere fucking towns and he, he pointed out to me, he's like, the outlines I give for my sermons, I've always chosen stuff about family, stuff about health, stuff about your life, your stuff about that. Your first one. Like, oh yeah, I'll get to that. Um, and he said, I never have chosen sermons about the end time prophecy. I've never chosen sermons about sin or sermons about um, original sin or imperfection. I've always chosen ones about family because that's what the truth is. They call the religion the truth. They just shorthand for it they just say the truth my dad says the booze he's like that's what the, the truth gives to me you know is that about family and stuff like that so he's like focus on those interpersonal benefits of this don't think about the end don't because you're not supposed to right now and i was like okay fair enough i gave it a shot for another year and when i was 15 years old i had a complete complete mental collapse and um it was around this time that I, it, I might like I I don't want to get into like triggering stuff, you know, for myself or other people, but like my physical safety was not, you know, I needed to be watched for two weeks when I was fifteen, and uh, during this period I slept 
maybe a total of eight hours, like over the course of two fucking weeks. Like it was a nightmare. I wasn't on medication and everything from that period of my life is a complete blur. I just, I just collapsed. I didn't know what happened. And, um, I wasn't going to the church meetings, which is a big deal for my parents to be like, okay, yeah, stay home. But they saw it and they recognized it. And I spent two weeks alone with my older brother basically taking care of me. You know, there's no school. There's no nothing because I'm I'm basically a dropout at this point. I haven't even been to sophomore year and I dropped out of high school to pioneer, you know. Oh, God. And so my older brother is taking care of me. And during this period, I had uh, shortly before, I can't believe I skipped over this, but shortly before I slipped into that psychosis, I came out to my mom as bisexual. So I, I, and this is the fucked thing is that in the back, back, back reservoir of my brain, I already knew I was trans, but I come out to my mom as 15 years old. I'm bisexual. That's, that's like enough to deal with at one right, time. Right. Like, and I'll unpack that box when I feel like I have, and I'm thinking in my you, brain yeah. in years, in years, you know, I'll when I'm unpack 40, that box, yeah. you know, cause I don't know. And my mom told me something that fucking like was bone chilling to me. She was like, I don't know what's going to happen to you if you leave the church, you know? And she's like, you are my child. Well, you know, you are my son. And like, I'm going to stand by you. She's like, I'm going to be here with you. I don't know about your dad. I don't know about your brother. I don't know about any of these people. And I don't know about your safety once you lose, you know, everything. And so she was like, please just stay then. And I was like, and I could just see the the pain of her like watching me go through this, you know, and just being like, mm-hmm. she's not fucking satisfied here either. And I'm thinking in my head of like, you know, I cannot fucking imagine my dad having a different opinion, but she can. So how out of touch is there? you know, relationship because of the church, because of this rift, because dad being an elder. So I have this psychosis shortly after that. I'm bedridden for like two weeks. I drank nothing but protein shakes the entire time. I couldn't fucking eat solid food. You know, my older brother took care of me. And during the time that my older brother took care of me, we talked a little bit about his thing. And then I kind of discovered that he was going through the same exact spiritual deconstruction that I was. And so we at least had this home in each other. My dad's and your friends, that some of your friends and yeah, church. yeah, some of my friends that that weren't, you know. Um, my dad stepped down as an elder from his position of being a church elder. Explain, around this time. explain why. Can you explain why? I can explain why. Yeah, I completely forgot why until you just said that. I there's things that what we need to bring up. We need to bring up the jokes about the lunch. The, yeah. the black lunch. So um, there's a lot we need to unpack, <laughs> but you for you to unpack. So fucking, there was a situation that unfolded, um, when my dad was an elder. There was a boy, uh, who had sex with a girl from the Spanish-speaking congregation that met at the same building, but at a different times, and it was all Spanish in Spanish, and so, um. 
from our congregation, this boy went and slept with the girl from the Spanish congregation. The girl from the Spanish congregation went to the Spanish elders and said that she had slept with this kid. So the Spanish elders are like, okay, we got to handle this situation with a theocratic, like, you know, meeting, a judicial hearing is literally what they call it. But she's like, we're dealing with people from two different congregations. We need to get all the elders together. And so basically, like, you deal with the fucking kid. I'll deal with the, the girl. The Spanish elders are dealing with the girl. The, the English-speaking elders are dealing with the boy. Mm-hmm. And um, the boy says to the, my, eld- my group of elders, my congregation's elders, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't sleep with the girl. She's lying. And the Spanish-speaking congregation goes to the girl like, why are you lying about, about the guy? She's like, Fucking I, bullshit. why the fuck would this girl lie about her sleeping with a dude? When she could lose everything, you know, for this. She came to them to and repent. Obviously, also. he's just going to lie for the same reason. Right. And so the elders from our congregation are inclined to believe the dude. Oh. And so they disfellowshipped the girl. For, for the girl slept with this guy and then came to her elders to repent. And they said, oh, man, like, okay, we'll consider not disfellowshipping you. We'll have a judicial hearing now that you're repentant. That changes how we handle things. But let's talk to the boy. And the boy denied it. So they just said, oh, well, you lied. So you're disfellowshipped. No shot that 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 fucking girl lied. She did not fucking lie. You know? And this sniveling fucking, like... And this is one of the kids that was maybe two or three or four years older than me who bullied the shit out of me, even within the church, you know? And so that's the situation. I didn't learn that the, any of this happened until years after my family left the church. My dad told me. But the reason my dad, that was the reason my dad stepped down as an elder. He didn't want to see that shit because he was the only elder um, outstanding with the vote to disfellowship the girl. You know, so he stepped down. He voted against disfellowship. Yeah, he, he voted not to believe this dude, you know, and he was the only outstanding vote. So he left the the elder position. He's still, we're all in the church. When I came out of my psychosis, I I got on meds for the first time. I saw a doctor and uh, a doctor who is still a part of my life to this day. A very, very great person. And um, I came to, and I remember I had this feeling of waking up on the couch because I slept in the couch for some reason through the entire process. I couldn't sleep in my own bed. It just freaked me out. So I'd sleep alone on the couch. Yeah, I'm and, kind of uh, going through that right now, actually. Right? It doesn't. There's something weirdly comforting about just changing. I had to sleep on the couch the other night. Yeah. Yeah. After I, I had a paranoia attack. I thought someone was in the vents. Jesus Christ. Yeah. We're all kinds of fucked up. That's a whole, <laughs> whole other episode too. So I wake up on the couch one day, 15 years old, and I just go, and I, it's so bizarre. I remember going, huh. I feel better now a little bit. Like I didn't wake up with the immediate immediate terror and I actually slept through the night for the first time in a while. So I wake up and I just go, huh, I'm, I'm still by. I'm oh, still shit. leaving the church. Everything just came rushing back to me because I was th- having the spiritual deconstruction and then it was just like, boom, a different struggle now for two a little over two weeks of just this fucking hell you know and nothing made any sense and i was confused and i didn't have any sleep and then one day i woke up a little bit coming to and i just was like 
oh yeah, if I get better, I'm going to have to continue talking about the things I was talking about with my parents and standing up for myself. And, they, and I was like, it's a Shit. long road ahead. Yeah. And I, and I just woke up to that and I was like, okay, well, it's about time to go to church, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then, so I go, I go back into the meetings. People are glad to see me. I feeling better. No one fucking asked what was going on, you know, cause they don't give a shit. Um, and, but they're happy to see me come back. I then, once things are somewhat stable in my life, again, I'm not in school, but I'm not pioneering anymore either. So the only thing in my life really is the meetings. And I, uh, I come out to my dad. And my dad's reaction was basically like, oh, okay, um, let's read about that. He's open the Bible and he's talking about it. He's like, okay, um, I don't understand it. He's like, this is something you want. And, and he just didn't get it at all. But he didn't respond with any anger. And that's, he's trying. Yeah. And he was just like, I want to help you deal with this, you know, and it's easier coming out as bisexual, you know, because then he's like, well, you know, we'll try to find you a woman then. <laughs> you can still be a Jehovah's Witness. And it's like, God, fuck, dude. Like, I get it. At that point, I'm like, I get it, you know, because they don't want, no one wants that, you know, for their kid to fucking lose it like that, to lose everything. And um, then a friend of mine. But it's, it, the irony is that they don't have to lose. No, no. Everything. They don't have to. It's like, oh, I don't want to lose my son. It's like, then don't. Yeah, right. And uh, around that time, I got myself a girlfriend. And this was not a Jehovah's Witness girl. This was a worldly person. And we were fucking. We were banging mad. You know? Is that, yeah. I, I lost my virginity. Is, yeah. yeah. Great, great individual. Um, my first girlfriend is still a part of my life. Um, is a friend of mine now. But anyway, I decided one day after a young woman from another city's congregation near us that i had met a few times on outings or during special ministry trips of like we're going today to preach or fuck you gotta bleep that i said the name of the fucking town but anyway pc yeah that's not where we live though i know but that's the I'll neighboring bleep it. I'll town it. yeah I'll neighbor. anyway um we're going to the you know we're going to another city today to preach or we're doing that i met her on these trips um and she there was rumors that she was a lesbian, you know, and I can't remember how I heard those rumors, but she commits suicide and I was about 16 and it really fucked me up because me and my best friend, she had gone missing and we were on the search party to find her. Like we went out and looked for her you know, for a, a lot few of days. Nasty traumatizing shit that happens in our lives stems from fucking similar things yeah to the fucking jw's like people killing themselves like like in this context is so preventable right but and continue but um that happened and i remember her missing for a long time and you know there were search parties out that looked for her my best friend was part of one of them and uh she she passed away. She died. And, and, you know, they finally found her. And we, um, it was at that point where I was just like, I'm not lying anymore about anything. I can't. 
pretend like I am a Jehovah's Witness. I'm not. And it was at that point where I finally found it in myself to like, I don't believe in this. It's not true. This is where I was like, it's, it just can't be true. I started piecing together the things about the prophecy. Well, I started dissecting the doctrine. I was like, oh, well, this is insane. Wasn't one of the last straws when your your mom came home with the, you know, the good things happen to bad people story? Right. That kid. Right. There was, um, that was another, that was another serious contributing factor around can the we, same time. Can we talk about it? I remember it vividly. Sure. Um, yeah. My mom, while we were Jehovah's Witnesses, still to this day, was uh, heavily involved in charity work. Um, in our town, she worked for the... Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She, she worked with homeless children, mostly, um, and helped them get through school and things like that. There's a lot of, like, homeless children, we're talking, like, hundreds Mom's in, an our, angel. in our town, you like, know? Yeah. And it's just disgusting, like, how much fucking, you know, whatever. But she, she would apply for grants for them. She would help them, you know, make sure they were bathed and showered and whatever and take care of these kids. She came home one day, and this is while... This is post me coming out as bi. This is post. <laughs> <laughs> post bi, Manny. <laughs> you just see the oh shit eating grin on my face yeah. start going ear to ear. Oh, good lord. I didn't even, I wasn't going to say anything and you saw me in it. This is incense, right? No. It's like, oh, boo. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, so my mom comes home one day with this. Wait, Just, can we get a thumbnail? Sure. So my mom comes down with this uh, for, with this horrific story about a homeless child. God damn the human like, the human experience. <laughs> the, the unfathomable humans, <laughs> the indomitable human spirit. Be like. Oh, it spooked me. Excuse me. It's a alarm. Um, no, 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 no. Keep it going while we took it. Right. So my mom comes home after doing field work with her job, and it's just this, this horrifying story about a woman, her two kids being ripped away from this woman, and there's a piece of shit deadbeat dad who is screaming. This woman, this, These kids are covered in shit. You know, they haven't been washed. And I can't remember all the details of how bad this story was. Um. But I know the little girl involved in the story is about 14, 15 now, and she's doing really well. But this story, initially, my mom came comes home and is crying on the kitchen table, and I get her out, out around 11 o'clock of my bedroom, and I walk in. I'm like, Mom, what's up? The last time I had spoken to my mom before this, like, peer, like I remember we had been in a fight, you know? And then my mom, you know, and then I, I had last spoken to her. We fought, like, hours ago, and then she comes home, and she just sits at the counter and starts crying. And I just hear some shit, and I'm like, what the fuck? I go outside in my bedroom. I'm like, Mom, and she just, like, reaches for me. She's like, come here. And she just, like, wanted somebody to hold, you know. And I was like, what the fuck happened? She tells me the story, and then I just start crying, you know. And um, I remember, like, crying, and my mom was, like, almost comforting me at that point. And I was just like, Mom, like, this is fucked. And and I was just, and me being, you know, well, self absorbed. Huh? What happened with this? Well, she, she basically, like, 
I told her like I told her mom like how can you believe in anything when you see shit like this happen? I mean, what happened to the what was the thing that had happened? I don't remember. With the girl. I don't remember the the details. I of thought it. you said it, there was a girl who was covered. She was like covered in feces. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Did we say that? Yeah, we said that. I don't think we did. No, I, I didn't hear it. If we did. Oh yeah. Well, basically, yeah. It it was fucked. But um, regardless, she's telling me the story, and I start crying. And I ask my mom, like, you see shit like this every day, and you're still a devout fucking fundamentalist Christian. Like, how do you? This doesn't make sense. You know, like, how could God allow this shit to happen? Same, like, how, why did he make me gay? Right. Kind of similar. Like, yeah, and I'm just like, like, I don't get it. And she just was like, I don't get it either. You know? And she's just like, I don't fucking know. And that's a big, just a human experience life question. Like, why? Yeah. Why does this awful shit? And your fucking dad had the answer that cleared that question for me. Yeah, right, right. And um, he didn't give that answer until much later in my life, though, yeah. than that experience. And so I'll get to it. But um, basically, after that, so that was another big catalyst. Coming up, the answer to life. Mine, right. Then a friend of mine, you know, died by suicide, and, and that was another huge catalyst. But eventually I started completely living, like, blend, annihilating that big line between my worldly self and my... Jehovah's Witness self. I started crumbling it. And I told my dad, I'm not going out in service anymore. I cannot preach anymore. And he was like, why? And I was like, I, I've told you that I'm bi. I've told you that I've been deconstructing and like having doubts. And he's like, no, I understand. But like, I like having you with me. And he just told me that. He was like, I know your doubts and I know you don't even really believe, but like, I don't want to do it alone. You know, I like having you next to me when we're door to door. And I was like, I cannot. It's one thing to go to the meetings and lie to these fucking old bitches it's another thing I can't go door to door and pretend to sell something I don't fucking believe in. And he was like, I understand, you know, then one day I just straight up go up to one of the elders who happens to be the father of the boy from the previous story. The boy who fucked the the girl in the Spanish congregation, his dad then becomes the elder that replaces my dad. (laughs) Isn't that fucked? So, the catalyst for my dad stepping down as an elder was this fucking piece of shit lying kid who got this girl thrown out of her fucking religion. That kid's father replaces my dad as an elder. Lucius Malfoy takes yeah. over as headmaster of Hogwarts. <laughs> yeah. I go right up to that dude and I say, can I uh, talk to you please after the meeting? He says, yeah, sure. And he takes me in the back room and I go, I'm not a virgin. I had sex with my worldly girlfriend. He says, you have a worldly girlfriend? I said, yes. He says, Okay, we're going to have to put together a judicial hearing about that. Trying to, in the spirit of brevity, get to through this um, story as fast as possible. No, 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 no. I'll, I'll split it into two parts. We can take as long as we want. Uh, excellent. Then I'll have two weeks. That's awesome. That's really good. So um, he sets up a judicial hearing. The two elders that are heading this are him this guy who's been a family friend for a very long time, the guy who replaced my dad, the guy with the piece of shit son, and a new elder who transferred him from a fucking different congregation that I met maybe a month ago, you know? Um, I get in the room with them and they start, and I, at this point I had been indulging in what they would call apostate literature and apostate media. It's basically fellow ex-Jehovah's Witnesses that make content on YouTube. 
I still watch this shit to this day, but because they were so helpful and instrumental in my waking up process. Um, Lloyd Evans is a great one to look up. He has a John Cedars channel, which is really brilliant. But um, a lot of what they had said really opened my eyes to some of the cult-like mentality and, and some of the very, very worldly influences, what they would consider worldly influences on their doctrine. Shit that's like, they think there's something so other than the world. They think they're apart from any other religion. They homogenize every faith and ideas and ideologies outside of theirs because they're something different. They're divinely inspired. It's it's the world and Jehovah's Witnesses. And then the apostate content really showed me a lot of primarily like how their shit was influenced by the culture and how their shit and their doctrine was influenced by obviously pre-existing religions, you know, and, and biblical movements that were going on around the early 1900s. And, but one thing that they had that I had learned from the apostates was some of the sexual questions that they ask minors in judicial hearings. And I always had a lot of skepticism, even at that point being mentally out, you know, of the religion. Well, also, again, the first fucking thing that you had to give. Is that where we're at? Oh, yeah, we're, we're yeah. Yeah, that's okay. what I'm getting at. So like, okay, okay. That's yeah. So through okay, the apostate sure, shit, yeah. yeah, yeah. So the apostate shit, they had always warned and like talked about the sexual shit that they asked minors in judicial hearings, and that part of what the apostates talked about, I always was skeptical about because I was like, okay, well, first of all, I have the predisposed like thing in my brain that they put me about apostates are evil, apostates are the mouthpiece of Satan, they're literally the anti of the one true religion on earth, so they're evil. So there's a little bit of that going into it. You know, trying to absorb it, but I still have this tainted view of it and this fear, mm-hmm. you know? But then I was also like, okay, well, these are obviously enemies of the church, rightfully so, but they are not, like, they could be lying about or exaggerating about some shit. They weren't. Because when I got into that room with these two older white men and just me, a 16 year old, and my parents, they asked me, among other things, among other things, and it didn't just like open up like this, but among other things, they asked me these questions verbatim. How many times did you have sex? And I said, I don't, I don't know. I can't fucking count. And they said, who involved had an orgasm? You know, was it you only? Was it the girl only? Was it both of you? And I said, I'm not answering that. And they said, what positions? I'm 16. You know, and yeah, anything but missionary is. And my dad is, like, looking upset. He's sitting with you. Yeah, he's sitting with me. And he's just like, what the fuck? I think I don't... At this point, I think some wheels started turning in his brain about... He's like, like, I have to sit here and listen to my son like, at the time. like Yeah, talk about shit like this. And so I could see it in my dad's eyes that he was like, this is fucked. Like, this is kind of the shit... That my kid was talking about. It messes you up. Yeah. And so I said, like, I'm not answering a single any more question. I said to them, I'm not answering anything else. I don't believe that this is the truth. It doesn't make sense to me. And they were like, okay, well, we can sit down and unpack that. If you're coming from a point of you're having doubts, that's why you acted out this way. We could fix your doubts and we can punish you a different way. Oh, but the girl who came forward to repent gets kicked out. Right. Right. She's a fucking girl. Yeah. You know? 
And then it's like, gotcha, bitch. I am too. <laughs> <laughs> no, but. I, yeah, fuck. But you got to talk about, you got to talk about the fucking thing they made you read when you were 13. Oh my God. That's what I was trying Another to. Another thing. That's what I was anyway, trying to Anyway, okay. At. So I'll wrap up my, my origin story Take quickly. It. We got another so, hour. <laughs> um, if you want to. My fucking. I, I basically say to the elders, hey. Yeah, I don't think it's true anymore. Like, I don't think it's fucking true. And, and they, you know, they were coming from a perspective of me of like, you know, we can help you with your doubts and this and that. And I was like, no, no, no. How about this? You explain to me why we know that Satan was thrown out of heaven onto the earth in 1914. Because this is a fucking question about weird fucking mathematics and the Daniel prophecy in the Bible that no Jehovah's fucking witness has ever given me a straight answer You went in there and fucking wanted blood. I was like, I don't understand that. Can you fucking please explain to me why we know that 1914 is it? And they were just stumbling. They were just like, that's not really what's important right now. You know, like you'd sinned and this and that. And I'm like, look, you don't even fucking know what you believe in. Every time I fucking ask somebody about this fucking question. Are you cursing them out? Th- no, no. Oh. No. Unfortunately, of course not. But like, I'm like, I'm telling them. They basically are like, what do you think should be done? And I'm like, I don't care. I, I remember I said that. I said, I don't care what you do. I'm not coming to the meetings anymore. I don't believe that it's true. This is obviously, this is just literally me being like, disfellowship me. You know, there's no coming back from that. So they say, okay, um, can you leave us alone in the room with your parents for a few minutes? I said, sure. I get outside. I'm just sitting there on a chair. Jesus. And to then, be a fly. Right. I know. Two minutes later, they come out. I sit down and kiss. You're going to be disfellowshipped. And on Thursday, this date, it'll be announced to the entire congregation. You Which can be there or not. It's so fucked the way they do yeah. that. Yeah. But they know they're literally, I've seen people like be disfellowshipped before. One day you're walking around with this fucker, you're going out in service with him. And then one day at a meeting, because they're having these judicial hearings without anybody knowing, you know, it's all kept very low down. So one day you're at a meeting in the middle of the church, they say, oh, brother so-and-so has an announcement. Some elder goes on stage and says, brother or sister so-and-so is no longer one of Jehovah's Witnesses. And literally you always hear like a gasp. People are like, uh, fuck, because out of nowhere a person's just gone. And the fuck thing is this from your works. life, from your life, not just from the church, from your for all life. intents and purposes, Forever. they are dead. Yeah. You know, you are not allowed to speak to them unless it is fucking fiscally essential to do so. Like if you work with them, you're permitted to talk to them about business, but you can't fucking look at them in the supermarket. You can't look at them, you know, and I experience this to this day because I live in the same town I was raised in now, like. Every once in a while, I'll see a Jehovah's Witness who's not a new, like, from my past, and they will avert their eyes from me, you know? And, uh, but... Which is... God. No, it's it's fucked. So I, I get disfellowshipped. The weeks following... You should you should go up to one of them and just start, like, trying to talk to them and, like, really egg them into it. So, like, because they, can, so they can't say anything. They can't say right, anything. Right. Start fucking with them. It's the fucking thing from Nope. Yeah, you're the thing from nope. Don't me. look at it. Don't look at it. Don't fucking talk to it. <laughs> nope. So nope. Nope. Oh my god. No, but um, in the weeks following, you know, I wasn't going to the meetings, and neither were my parents. They just weren't. And after I got this fellowship, the night I got this fellowship, I went home and we had a screaming match, like me, my mom, and my dad. 
And it was at points of them two of them talking to me of like, I'm just fucking sad. I'm just disappointed. You have to allow us to be disappointed that you chose this path. And then it was me just fucking like so just angsty 16 year old screaming at them like you're fucking blind like you're such an idiot like you have no idea and then it got to points where my dad's yelling at my mom and i'm on my dad's side and then it gets to points where i'm on my mom's side yelling at my dad because this is just 16 years of fucking trauma and unsaid shit between all of us between our family you know Be- between the sopranos Be- yeah <laughs> between this sicilian immigrant dude and this native american woman <laughs> they're just screaming at each other because they're fucking queer his name is tony yeah because of their queer that they fucking dumped out a queer they didn't realize it and they just fucking ruined everything the, the, on whole my truck till I the house of cards came falling down so no i i we had a screaming match the night i got to fellowship it but ended so fine enough like no one in my family is like toxic or violent or anything so it wasn't a traumatic experience that part of it so we all went to bed fine but i i woke up thinking like i'm not gonna touch this for a while i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm disfellowshipped they know i'm not part of it they're gonna go to meetings without me i'm just not gonna touch it for a while then the first tuesday night and they're they're technically not allowed to speak to you. Yeah, they're technically not allowed to speak to me unless it's absolutely necessary. But I'm their fucking child and in their home for two more in years. Their home, at least. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's the thing. If you if you get you can get disfellowshipped as a minor, which is a fucked thing anyway. But another thing is like if minors get disfellowshipped, they're usually like out of the house at eighteen, you know, because their parents just, you know, gone. So the first Tuesday night rolls around since I had been disfellowshipped. The first Tuesday nights are when the meetings are. And my parents just don't go. And I'm like, huh, <laughs> still not going to touch it. And then we start talking a little bit. And my mom just is like, I think you may have had some points about the church, you know? And my dad essentially said the same thing they were like you know we believe what we believe and jehovah's always gonna have like we have this faith you know and we have this hope for the future but i think you're right about the church yeah they believe in like god and like you know they were like yeah they they were like you know i don't think and and then they they wanted to meet my girlfriend actually no actually um but they thought some of the bureaucratical fucking shit was disturbing yeah yeah they disturbed they woke up to that i forgot to mention this before i ever got this fellowship they did actually meet my girlfriend and they approved of our relationship and stuff because they already started to see that i was leaving you know so now that it's just cracked open they're like all right bring bring the girl over you know let's have dinner and shit like that and we started having dinner and then we're talking um at this point you know I didn't have any like the relationship between you and this girl now. It's just so, so interesting funny. because yeah. of all of this yeah. going on and seeing, watching them like see you when they were with you and seeing you now is just it's funny. Yeah, yeah. If you're watching, it's amazing. Yeah, it's beautiful. It is, but um, anyway, um, and just just slowly over the course of a few years. I start performing live, you know, I had been, music had been my fucking crutch through all of this, you know, just playing piano just was the only thing that kept me fucking alive, you know, especially that period when I was experiencing psychosis when I was 15, just piano was the only thing that fucking kept me. Started performing finally, once I got disfellowshipped and started putting on makeup to perform. 
and things like that and started expressing that part of myself more and more. And uh, my dad coming to the shows was just like, the first time he saw me and my brother perform, you know, he cried. And he was just like, I'm so fucking proud of you. Like, I'm just so fucking proud of you. And he was like, and he's starting to swear a little bit now. And he's just like, you could not have done this in the church. Like the fact that like, if we were witnesses, I wouldn't have had this experience. And by the way, Tony loved music. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. My dad was knew it in and out. Yeah. My dad was a, especially metal music. He was a trivia nerd, like crazy shit. You know, like weird deep lore about like pretty beard church shit. Yeah. Pretty That's where I get my love of dream theater from. Pretty bold Brutus. You know, he, that was his favorite band, but, um, he, uh, and my mom, my mom slowly started getting back into her like native Mohawk roots and spirituality and things like that. And uh, over the years, my dad became a very, very, very weird, ambiguously Gnostic Christian. He got really into Stoic philosophy um, and Marcus Aurelius and and yeah, Epictetus and shit like that. And so yeah, likewise. Yeah, and and um, they all lived happily ever after. <laughs> That's the end of the story. <laughs> you know, nothing. That everything's cool now. Cool. Bye. No. Um. <laughs> That'd be good. So last last thing. Um. And then I, you know, real quick. Um. Talk about this. The fucking. I forget. It starts with a P. That you would go around and give in with your dad in the different places. Sermons. Were they just sermons? Yeah, I was going to say sermons, but I thought that was the wrong word. Yeah, yeah. It's this the first one that you had to give yourself was oh my disturbing God. as fuck and we we're going to talk about that and then we're going to wherever it ends we're going to cut it in part 2. Okay, I'm, right. I'm, I got cuz I don't want to have a 2 hour long you know yeah, thing yeah. to fuck through, but So um you were given mini talks. They're called talks when they're small like TED that. talks. They were like TED talks. Yeah. So as a as a unbaptized publisher which is someone who's training to be baptized in a publisher or as a baptized publisher you would go up on stage in front of the church and give a little basically like a sermon but it's only like 10 minutes or five minutes yeah. you know and adam speak right and i um bef- prior to doing that um there's also another thing called just bible readings where they'll give you a section of the bible to go up and read in front of the church it's about five minutes i had only been doing bible readings i was about 12 years old and i finally was like you know what i want to write a talk i, I know I went to the elders and i was like i think i'm ready to give a talk the first fucking talk I was ever assigned, abortion. I was 12 years old. And they print out the little... What 12-year-old is like has strong opinions on abortion? I didn't even yet. really know what it was. That's like... like and then, and then they're... One, what 12-year-old has strong opinions on abortion? Two, now here, here's your opinion. I'm going to give it to you. Exactly. And now we're going to give it to you so hard... That you have to get up and tell us why this opinion that you just learned this thing and how to feel. You just learned this concept. Convince us you believe it. Exactly. So here's a new frightening and disturbing concept, 12-year-old. Also, here's how you need to feel about it. And go tell the entire congregation why they all need to feel feel about it that way as well. And I did. I wrote a five-minute talk about why abortion is, is morally wrong as a 12-year-old. And I remember the chit came out, um, the little chits that they print of the, the assignments, you know, came out. And I, and I looked at it, and I was like, Dad, does this fucking look right? And he looked at it, and he's like, 
why did they give that to you? And he took me over to the elders and he was like, hey, like, you know, this kid doesn't even really know what this is. Like, why does he get the abortion one? You know? And they were like, um, we could give you another one. We could give you slavery. Let's see. Do you want uh, suicide, slavery, <laughs> abortion? Uh, you know. The Holocaust? The hol- yes. Oh, my God. So, um, well, those are actually easy. Yeah, easier than fucking abortion. Yeah, you know. But, um... It's like the but yeah, they're basically like you can. We can't. We can give him next week's fucking. If you ask me to give a five minute speech on why the Holocaust was bad, I can get it done in ten seconds. Yeah, right. But um, yeah, and I can't remember why I ended up actually going through with it, even though my dad was like on my side of like this is weird. I think it may it might have been just me, as a twelve year old like wanting to impress the others. Like no, no, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll learn about it. I'll learn about it. I'll do it. Yeah. But I ended up fucking doing it. I got up on stage and people clapped afterwards. You know, of course, <laughs> because it's a fucking little bit. Abortion is wrong. Like, good God, fucking dude, Christ, sickening. man. It's sickening. sickening. It's sickening. The room. <laughs> the room that we created. This is where we would split. Correct? Hmm? This is where we would split the episode. We can. What are we going to talk about in part two real quick? Um. Well, the point of this episode was to talk about our spiritual paths and it just ended up being an episode on the j-dubs yeah it's just about my origin story i forgot how fucking meaty that was i'm sorry to take that much fucking time we'll just split it into two parts but what what's 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 part two gonna hold part two i think um is going to hold you got like four minutes tell the story about your dad talking about the lunch and then and then we'll see where that goes right well, and also that quote, my dad's quote, will bring for part two. The meaning, the the thing, why good things happen to bad people. Yeah, what he said about well, that. Yeah, so we'll why good things happen, happen to bad people, stay tuned for it in part two. Right life's now, greatest answer is I guarantee you it's going to rock you to your core and it's going to change the way you look at things. Because it did for me and I'm a very stoic individual. Right. So we will see you. In part two, next week. Okay. Okay.